Uh, guys, today's study, we're going to be reading out of uh, Genesis chapter 47. Okay? So, <clears throat> I've been... Uh, I've entitled this study for tonight. We're going to look at it at three and threefold here. Uh, verses 1 through 6, we have Joseph announces Pharaoh to the arrival of his family. In verses from um, 7 to 12, we have Joseph presents Jacob, his father, before Pharaoh. And thirdly, we have in verses 13 through 31, wealth and possessions. So... Let's get into the word here. And before we actually start, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures here. In Romans 15:4, it says, "For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience, perseverance, and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope." As we've gone through the book of Genesis, we've seen the the temptation to fall of of uh, man in Genesis 3 and sin entered into the world. And everyone coming into it. And this is the bottom, uh, bottom line is that we all have in common, and that's sin. And um, they were written for our benefit, the scriptures, for our learning, so that we might know what to hope for. It is not for any private interpretation. Second Peter one twenty, verse through one verse twenty one, reads: Know know this first that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation or origin. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus Christ is our hope. There is no other hope in anybody else, but he's our Savior, the Savior of the world. And in him we put our faith, we put our trust in him, and him alone, not man. The, the Pentateuch, the, we know the uh, Genesis was written... Uh, we know it's Moses. He was a, he wrote the book of Genesis, and he wrote the five books: the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The first five books of the Scriptures, and we know that he was a man filled with the Spirit of God. And Moses wasn't even born when the book when all this was going on in Genesis, but we know that Moses was up in the mountain with the Lord, and the Lord was teaching him. And, and um, showing them things that were going to come. And then Genesis chapter 15, verses 13 and 14. And then in chapter, the same chapter, and um, verse um, 18, we see the covenant that God made with Abraham. And I'll read the verses 13 and 14. Then he said to Abraham, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and will they afflict, and they will afflict them, four hundred years, verse fourteen. And also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. Afterward, they shall come out with great positions. And he's talking about we know the Egyptians, pharaohs, the people who are going to go into bondage and be there for that period of time, four hundred years. And they're going to come out with great positions. Positions, excuse me. And in verse 18, we have the covenant. On the same day that the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, to your descendants, 
I've given this land from the river Egypt and the great river, the river Euphrates. So we see that, that God made a covenant from then on. God's plan from the beginning of creation. God of order. And he's bringing everything that he had promised Abraham. He's bringing it to order. So let's begin here in um, chapter 47. Because the amount of time, I'm just going to begin in verse 1 here. Okay? And so, then Joseph, verse 1, went and told Pharaoh and said, My father and my brothers, their flocks and their herds, and all that they possess have come from the land of Canaan. And indeed, they are in the land of Goshen. And so we see here, Joseph, the 11th son of Jacob, he was the first child of Rachel in Genesis 30, verse 22 and 24, and Jacob's favorite in Genesis 37, verse 3. Now, Israel loved Jacob more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. Verse 4, but when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him. And could not speak peaceably to him. Joseph was 17 at this time. Now he has this dream. And his brothers bowed down before him. The earth before him. And his brothers. They envied him. Envy a feeling of discontent. Or covetousness. With regard to others. Advantages. Success. Possessions. And also refers to the to jealousy. Envy. That negativity energizes someone with an embedded mind. And so we know that sin is the root of all evil. See? And that's where it comes from, the heart. See? Because the heart is deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Jeremiah 17, 9 says that. And we are our thoughts. We got to hold our thoughts into captivity, not play with them anymore like we used to. But as we continue here, we see that... Um, now, in Genesis 30, verse 22, we see here uh, the 11th son of Jacob. He was the first child of Rachel in Genesis 30, verse 22. Then God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her and opened her womb. She couldn't have children, but she prayed to God, and God opened her womb and uh, gave her Jacob. Joseph would be, excuse me, then God remembered Rachel and God listened to her and opened her womb. Joseph would be Jacob's favorite in Genesis 37, 34. Now Israel loved Joseph and then went through that. And then not only that, but here it says that more, all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. They had nothing good to say to Joseph. Everything, they even, they probably didn't even feel like being around the kid. Here comes that favorite guy again, you know. Here he comes, just spying on us so he could report back to you know, daddy, and let him know what's going on over here, you know. But in verse 1, again, it says, my, my father and his brothers, their flocks and their herds, and all that they possess have come to, from the land of Canaan, and indeed they are in the land of Goshen. Now, Joseph announcing here to Pharaoh that his family and all that they have arrived from Canaan, now, they were in the land of Goshen. Goshen is mentioned for the first time in Genesis 45.10. Now, Goshen was located in the eastern delta, delta of the Nile. Hmm. And chapter, in Genesis chapter 39, uh, verse 2, it reads there, 
it says, The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. In verse 3, it, it also mentions, And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. And then that same chapter, but in verse 21, it says, But the Lord was with Joseph, and showed him mercy. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And in, um, in the end of verse 23, the Lord was with. And the, and, and the, and the end of verse 23, the Lord was with. And whatever was with Joseph and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. So the Lord was with Joseph. And he couldn't do anything of himself. Neither can we. We know that. It was all God that made it possible. But he need, needed a servant that would be obedient and to listen to his voice so he can do that work. And he found it in Joseph. And we know also that Joseph was in, cra- was in training. You see? He was a shepherd. Just as Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, and even Rachel was a shepherdess. She was herding flocks herself. And they had all this in common. But we know who the real shepherd was and is Jesus, the shepherd. In Psalms, the, word, the Psalms, everybody, we all know this Psalm, Psalms 23. You want to turn there. It says here in verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And as we continue, we'll see this, how the Lord is providing for him when he sets them into the land, the sheep, and he lays them down in the grass, as we see that in the New Testament, in the Gospel of John, where he feeds the 5,000. He sits them, let them sit down. And he sits all the people, the multitude of people, on a grass. And then he, then he feeds them. The good shepherd. And so let's continue here in verse 47. I want to get next up over here. So, here, uh, Goshen was, late, uh, was located in the eastern delta of the Nile. In Genesis 45.10, we've seen that. And it went on as Joseph uh, was all a part of God's plan. The Lord had said to Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you, set apart. You, I ordained upon you a prophet to the nations. So the Lord, He knows from, the, from us from the womb. He knows everything, everything that we're going to go through to where we're at now in Him. And so here in verse 2, it says that he took five men from among his brothers and presented them to Pharaoh. Now, it doesn't give names here, but we could know that, that Joseph probably picked, started from the oldest to the youngest because of just the, the way it was back then. 
we know that no names were mentioned, but you know. And in verse 3, he goes on to say here, it says, Then Pharaoh said to his brothers, What is your occupation? And they said to Pharaoh, Your servants are shepherds, both we and also our fathers. Hmm. What is your occupation? Shepherds. And like I mentioned before, Abel is the first shepherd mentioned in the Bible, Genesis 4.2. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they herded sheep in Genesis 13.7. And then also in chapter 26, verse 20. And then uh, Rachel was a shepherdess in Genesis chapter 29, verse 3. And in Second Samuel 5, 4, David was 30 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 40 years. And we see that in, uh, in chapter 5, 2. And the Lord said to you, you shall shepherd my people Israel and be ruler over Israel. Moses, in Exodus 3, 1, Moses was tending flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. And Amos, in chapter 1, 1, Amos, who was among the shepherd breeders, they were all being prepared for future leadership. Like many of us, we oversee here today. If you're here today, you oversee a ministry. You're overseeing, overseeing the flock, the Lord's flock, his sheep. And so we need to... Um, Seeking the Lord for His wisdom. Jesus sets the example in John 10, 3, 5. Are we listening to the Good Shepherd's voice and immediately responding to it? Or are we responding to the stranger? Jesus said in the same chapter in verse 27, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. If you are, then He's going to instruct you. He's going to teach you in the way we should go the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. He watches and directs us. In Psalms 32.8 tells us that. Psalms 32.8. I'll read it. I will, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye, he says. He's gonna, he directs us. He's going to instruct you. He's going to teach you in the way we should go. Also, he, he imparts to us his Holy Spirit. And John fourteen twenty six says that he will teach us and bring to remembrance all things that he taught us. All things. In the time... When it's ready to come out, everything that you hear, everything that you've been taught, everything, when you have your own private time reading and seeking and searching the scriptures, and the Lord brings something down your path, the words come out. The Holy Spirit brings it out. Everything brings it back to remembrance. You could even hear the voice sometime that leads us out of temptation. Scriptures come to your mind. Do not steal. Do not lust. You see, the scriptures come out as... And we need to listen because God's given us a way out, an escape to take that door out. And so, Psalms 38. And verse 4 of Genesis, verse 47, it says, And they said to Pharaoh, We have come to dwell in the land because your servants have no pasture for their flocks. 
So he now explained to why they left. Because the, before the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. Now, therefore, please let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. You see? And so now the reason for them being there, no pasture, their flocks would die. They would die or, or perish. You see? Because they needed to, to eat. And it was severe, it says there. The servants have no pasture for the flock, for the famine is severe. It was, it was really bad. And these people probably never experienced something like this before. Maybe years before, because we know the famine when in uh, Abraham's time, he had left to Egypt too as well. God used that to lead him out. There was a famine there as well. In Abraham's time there as well too. And so God is in control of everything. He's in control of the seasons, the weathers, the food, the sustenance of life. He gives and he takes. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. There's nothing that he can't do. Nothing too too big for him. You see? And when he says, I'm going to desolate this land, he's going to desolate it. And we know in the scriptures, there can come a time where the land is going to become desolate. If we look now, we can see everything unfolding in our eyes. The promises, the warnings of what God is, tells us here in the scriptures. And so... I want to share with you a word here in chapter 41, 36. We see it for the first time in the Bible. 41, verse 36. We see it here for the first time. And I'm, you guys will probably recognize it when we read it. Verse 36, I'll read it. Then that food shall be as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt. That the land may not, what? Perish during the famine. And we see that word there for the first time. And we see it also in the second time in Exodus 9.21. You see, 9.21. Exodus 9.21. I'll read that there too. Exodus 9.21. Nineteen twenty-one. Excuse me. Verse not, chapter nineteen, verse twenty-one. And the Lord said to Moses, "Go down and warn the people, lest they break through, to gaze at the Lord, and many of them perish." See, because um, we know that the Lord He came to Mount Sinai, he dwelt up there, and the people they wanted to rush to the mountain, and so what they did, they made a, a barrier around the whole mountain. And they concentrated the priests. And so that nobody can go up there. And he says, Moses, he tells Moses, don't let these people come up here because they're going to take them out. All of them, they're going to perish. You see? And so that was a warning to them. And we know because God is holy. He's just. In him there is no, he is light. In him there is no darkness at all. You see? And Moses, when he came down from that mountain, he had, he had to put a veil on it. He had to put a, cover over his head because of the glory of God shining on him and he was bright himself for the glory of God not only that but imagine you seeing somebody like that 
I mean, people, a lot of people would get fear. So he came down and he had his head covered because he was up there with, with, with the Lord up there and uh, being instructed and given the Ten Commandments. And so we see the word pass, uh, um, perish there a second time. And so then also we see it in the New Testament, Second uh, uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 9, where it, where it reads there, The Lord is not slack, <coughs> considering His uh, promises, as some consider slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, be destroyed, but that all should come to repentance. And that's the, the love of God. He's patient. He's long-suffering because He knows there's many, many that need to come to, to Him. And He wants to give everybody opportunity to receive Him. You see? And they stand before Him without an excuse. Noah preached the gospel for 120 years. Jesus walked this earth over 2,000 years ago, preaching, repent, repent, for the kingdom is at hand. And much more. But people are stiff-necked. And they don't want to come to be saved. And so, we see that there, the, the word perish there, for the first time. I was like, whoa. Hmm. So let's go back to verse, uh, chapter 47. And it says here now, uh, verse 4, the ending of verse 4. Now, therefore, please let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. Okay? For the land of Goshen. And here in verse 5, Then Pharaoh spoke to Joseph, saying, Your father and your brothers have come to you. Have come to you. The land of Egypt is for is before you. Have your father and brothers dwell in the best of land, and let them dwell in the land of Goshen. And if you know any competent men among them, then make them chief herdsmen over the livestock. Hmm. Joseph has a command from Pharaoh to dwell in the land of Goshen. And here we see here then uh, we're going to be dwelling in the, in the best of land. The fat, the fat, the fatness of that land—it was, it was good, and it was all foretold. Because if you look up here in verse 31 of the ending of uh, 46, it says, "Then Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh and say to him, My brothers and those of my father's house who were in the land of Canaan have come to me, and the men are shepherds, for the occupation has." Then to feed livestock, and they have brought their flocks, their herds, and all that they have. Verse 33, so it shall be, when Pharaoh calls you, he's telling his brothers, okay, now listen up. This is what you're going to say when you go in front of Pharaoh. So it shall be, when Pharaoh calls you and says, what is your occupation? That you shall say, your servant's occupation has been with livestock from our youth. Even till now, both we and also our fathers that we may dwell in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. Okay? That word abomination, it was, you know, it was something disgusting to them. It was dirty, you know? And Egyptians, they were very clean people, as we know. That's why when Joseph went in front of Pharaoh, they had him dressed. They even had him shave his head because they were clean people. And imagine... Him being in prison there, I mean, it wasn't like prison in our times now. And that prison there, I mean, probably had lice all over that place, you know. 
And so they shaved his head, but um, it was a nasty place to be. But we see how Joseph found favor there as well in the prison. You see? And as we say, he had the keys. He had the yabas to the prison. You see? And everything ran smoothly. You ever try to run a prison? It's easy. Well, it used to be. But it's crazy. But Joseph here, he ran it for the good of God. And it went peaceably. You see? Everything went in order. He took care of business. But Joseph was a light into the darkened world. Just like we should be. An example of what God can do. And Pharaoh seen that in him. And that's why he found favor. He knew the Spirit of God was in him. He mentions that in, in the verse here. As we continue to read, we'll see that. That God was with him and he knew it. That he had the Spirit of God living in him. Because no one could... No one had the wisdom like Joseph did. It only comes from God. And Joseph gave glory to God himself. Because you know it wasn't of him. It was of God. And the same thing for us. The things that we do, the things that God work does in us and through us, isn't because I'm special, you're special. It's because God, because God wants to do a work. And we let him. Because we're called to be that servant. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to move. He wants to work in our lives. You see? And as Joseph did here, he used Joseph and he worked mightily in him. He gave him wisdom. And the second man in, in the whole place there, right under Pharaoh. Verse 6. The land of Egypt is before you. Have your father and brothers dwell in the best of the land. Let them let them dwell in the land of Goshen. And if you know any competent men among them, then make them sheep herdsmen over my livestock. Verse six here tells us, and so they want, Pharaoh wanted to get the job done. In verse chapter forty-seven, verse sixteen to seven, even Pharaoh, you know, he had herds. I don't know if he had sheep, but he had herds, cattle, you know. And he wanted, he wanted somebody to look out for his, his cattle. Somebody, you know, that was had skilled in training in that kind of occupation there. Because he's seen what Joseph can do, you see. And so he knows, hey, these people here, they're, they have a God. They serve a mighty God. And they all are trained, you know. They're all skilled. And he knew that. And that's all it is with people in the world. You know, and that's the way it should be when they look at us and see, hey, there's something different with that person. You know, I want some of that, that wisdom that he has. He's humble. You know, he's different. And they've seen that in Joseph. And in verse 7 here, Then Joseph brought in his father, Jacob, and set him before before Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh and blessed him. Not only that, but he blesses him again. In verse 10, he blessed Pharaoh. It could be said that Pharaoh knew that, that God brought restor restoration to this family. 
After all, all the Egyptians heard Joseph, when Joseph wept, remember? When Joseph wept? In verse 6 also, it's now Pharaoh is giving them the best of the land in Goshen. Joseph, like a good shepherd, takes care of the flock. He feeds them and he tends to them. And so we see here that, that you know, Pharaoh knew that God brought them and restored their family together. He forgives them because he knows, Joseph knows that it was part of God's plan. Everything that he went through, how the brothers treated him, it was all for God's plan, for the purpose of saving, saving a remnant. You see? And we see that word also remnant here mentioned too. Um, back here in verse 45 and, ver and verse 7. It says here in verse 7, And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity. That word meaning remnant. For you and the earth. And to save your lives by a great deliverance. You see? And so we see that. A remnant. In Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 32, it says, For I have no pleasure in the death of one who dies, says the Lord God. Therefore, turn and live. That's God's heart. He doesn't want no one to, no one to perish. He, that's when he was telling the, the Israelites there. And he was, um, you could read there, your own time is a very good chapter. It talks about a man who, who's living a righteous life and he sins. Shall he continue to live? No, he shall die. Sin brings death. And everything you did in the Lord is forgotten. And, and that man who's living in sin, he repents. He lives. As if he committed no sin. God forgives us. God doesn't remember our sins anymore. In verse 6, once again, he's looking for a competent man. Maybe he's looking... Uh, Somebody take care of his cattle. In verses 7, once again, verse 7, Jacob blessed Pharaoh again in verse 10. Didn't the Lord say in Genesis 12, 3, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's what he has said to Abraham. And now we see now the curses. Because a lot of people, even ourselves, have turned our back against Israel. Thanks to our President Obama. And so we see a famine is going to come. And it's already started. A famine for the Word of God. People are starving. People are going hungry because they don't want to be filled with the Word of God.
Verses 8 and 9 of chapter 47 tells us here. Pharaoh said to Jacob, how old are you? Verse 9, and Jacob said to Pharaoh, the days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of years of my life, and they have not attained to the days of years of the life of my fathers and the days of their pilgrimage. Jacob answered Pharaoh regarding his age. And he told him, How old are you? No, I'm only kidding. You didn't say that. <laughs> and uh, answer, and yeah, 130 years, he told him. And Jacob said to Pharaoh, Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. Pilgrim uh, means in the Greek stranger. But here Jacob was a sojourner. He was passing through. He was a pilgrim. Now we know Pharaoh. The people saw him as a, as a son of Ray. The sun god of Egypt. The Egyptians worshipped Ray more than any other god. And Pharaoh's connected themselves with Ray. Now here is Jacob blessing Pharaoh. Jacob being the example, knowing how you know, God used this man. And he wants to bless him. He saved his family. and brought restoration. And gave, and gave him the best of the land. Now he's blesses Pharaoh. And as Christians, we show our gratitude by asking unbelievers as well. Can I pray for you? It's up to them to receive it, to welcome it, or reject it. But God wants to bless humanity. That's why He's saying Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, that whoever calls upon His name shall be saved. But people reject So we need to be the examples. And remember, I always tell myself, you know, and I learned, I learned the hard way. We learn by our mistakes. And sometimes it costs us. You see, that when someone comes up to me or i talking to somebody who says, pray for me, I just don't send them off. Okay, let's pray right now because I go forget. You see? And then I learned the hard way that way. God taught me that. From then on, I learned, hey, let me pray with you, man. I'm going to never see you again. Because it happened. It happened. And it's a very painful thing. But we learn. In this life, we learn. <clears throat> How to be a Christian. How to be a father, grandfather. And so forth and so forth. And so verse 8 through 10. And Jacob answered Pharaoh by stating his pilgrimage. Soldier in 130 years. 130 years he was there. But we know God let him live a little bit longer than that. As we continue reading. So few and evil from the time that he de deceived his father. A life of anxiety. 
being terrified of his brother Esau, working for 14 years by Laban's injustice, and in Genesis 32:22, wrestling with God and living with a bad hip. He lost his beloved Rachel, mourning for the loss of his son Joseph. It took his toil on him. He's seen a lot of evil. And he, and, he, and he carried it with him, especially mourning his son Joseph, thinking he was dead. We read the scriptures, we went through it, how he mourned, how he tore his clothes. and You know, it's a sad thing to see your child die. And someone you love. And so, his father Jacob lived until he was 180. In Genesis 35, 28, Abraham lived 175 years. In Genesis 25, tells us in verse 7 and 8. And 1 Peter 2, 11, tells us here, it says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. And in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, book of Hebrews, chapter 13, Verse 11, chapter 13, tells us, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them. See, they didn't attain it, but they knew. God told Abraham, God told Abraham, you see, the promises, but having seen them afar off, and we see that in the scriptures ourselves. We have the scriptures here from the beginning to the end. And we could see the promises of God. We could see the events that are going to be that He told us that He warned us was going to come. And they're unfolding in front of our eyes now. Now, what are we going to do? How are we living our lives? How is God using me? How is He using you? Are you listening to his voice? Am I being obedient? Am I all the way in? Or do I have one foot in and one foot out? We have to examine ourselves, especially in these last days. And I pray that when God does return, I'll be right here where I'm at. No better way to go than preaching his word. Continue reading here. It says that we're assured of them, embrace them, and confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They they confess, they embraced them, and they were strangers and pilgrims of the earth. Are we confessing that? Do we believe that? That we're just passing through? That this is just a temporary residence here in this earth? Verse 14, for those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And I'll read it again. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And this ain't our home. Our home is in heaven. Then he goes on to say, and truly, verse 15, if they had called to mind the country from which they had come out, 
they would have had opportunity to return. Verse 16. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. God has prepared a city for them, but not only for them, but for us as well. A new kingdom, which Revelation chapter 2 talks about. The new Jerusalem. Philippians 3.20 For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 47, verse 11. So Jacob, verse 11, and Joseph situated his father and his brothers and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt and the best of the land and the land of Ramses as Pharaoh had commanded him. And so the land of Ramses. So Joseph hooked up his father and his brothers in the best of the land. The land of Ramses was a place of royalty. A royalty. So they gave him the best. They gave him the best of the land. And in verse 12, it reads here, it says here in verse 12, Then Joseph provided his father, his brothers, and all his father's household with bread according to the numbers of their family. According to the numbers of their family, he gave them bread. And he fed them. And so, let me see where I'm at here. Because sometimes I forget. So, it was God providing, we read here in verse 11, so Joseph provides his family with bread in the best land in, 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 in chapter 45, verse 5 and 11. It was God providing the bread. Joseph's power was not wasted on his private interest. Everything Joseph did, it was for Pharaoh. Pharaoh. Not like dictators of today. But his power was used for the best interest of God's people. Something that leaders of today don't do because they don't know God. Far from God. But God is not through. God is not through. There's always hope. The scriptures tell us to pray for our leaders. To pray for them. That they may cry out to God. See. God is going to save. A remnant. Of the Jewish people. And he's going to use. A man. To do that. Verse 13. Here we come now. Now there was no bread in all the land. The famine was very severe. So the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished 
because of the famine. That word languish, languish means to continue for a long time without activity or progress in an unpleasant or unwanted situation. You think these people wanted a famine? <laughs> no. No. They languished. It wasn't wanted. But it happened. And it happened. Verse 15. Verse 14. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan for the grain which they bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. Verse 15. So when the money failed in the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to to Joseph and said, Give us bread, for why should we die in your presence? For the money has failed. The money has failed. It was no good. It was no good. The money had failed, and in the verses, the only one that benefited from that was Pharaoh. Pharaoh surely prospered. And it was due to the wisdom that God gave Joseph. And Pharaoh knew this to be true. Let's read Genesis 41. Chapter 41, verses 37 and 39. So it says here, it says, verse 37 of chapter 41. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a man as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. So like I said before, Pharaoh knew that God was working through Joseph. It was evident in his dream where Joseph gave glory to God, or as I also mentioned earlier, and, and pointed to God. And it was because of God. And he said, because of God will give you your interpretation of your dream, he told Pharaoh. And he'll give you the peace. Because Pharaoh was in torment. He couldn't understand his dream. He probably couldn't sleep at night. You ever have bad dreams where you couldn't sleep at night? I have. Or how about a dream that came you lived your dream? God gave you a warning. You didn't take heed. And you realize it. I lived my dream. God was trying to give me a warning. Because He does that. Tries to wake you up. Sometimes I said, sometimes it takes a little tap, maybe a slap, but God took a baseball bat upside my head. It woke me up. I seen the light real quick. You see? And sometimes it takes a famine or earthquakes. Look in Japan, Ecuador. I was looking in the news and a lot of things that I seen tumbled over were idols. God's angry. He's a jealous God. He's angry. Because he wants to give them life and life more abundantly, but they're still worshiping idols. 
A lot of the tombs in the cemeteries were toppled over. I seen a little Buddha man right there all broken up. You see? But God is trying to wake up people, man. And these are good the scriptures, man. They come alive. They, they're far learning. So the money didn't last long, maybe five years before it came to no value. There's a drought coming, and many are putting the trust in man and not in material things. In Matthew chapter 6, if you want to turn there with me, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 and 21. It says here, it reads, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God wants our heart. That's what He wants. And that's where He meets us at, our heart. The condition of the heart. And that's what he wants. He wants our heart, our being, our whole being, our life. <clears throat> 15. I already read 15. And so, the money didn't last long, maybe five years. All the silver, gold, they're coming to nothing. All these people were living well. They had the fat of the land, herds, everything. The gold they saved up, the silver they saved up. All these people were living well. They had lands. Now what would have become, what they had now becomes valueless. Value, no value no more. No value. What are these, what people today are storing up in? What are they storing up? You see that too. People are changing gold, buying gold, buying silver, buying silver, all this other stuff. It's not going to become of no value. Sustenance, food, water. Bread. That's what's going to come down to. Not the gold, not the silver. I don't want that. I want, I want the eggs. I want the frijoles, man. Tortillas. Where are the tortillas? You know? I want a grub. Neither provisions for themselves or seed for the ground. And Daniel, let's go to Daniel chapter 7, verse 25. Daniel chapter 7, verse 25. Everybody there? Not yet. Neither mind. It says, He shall speak promptly. 
words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall attend to change times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and a time and half a time. Three and a half years. Prophetous words. Who's that sound like? He's going to prosecute the saints of the Most High and, he, and shall intend to change times and laws. We see that happening now. Unfolding in our eyes. It's just a picture of what's coming. Of what's going to come. But I thank God because I'm not, we're not going to be here. Turn with me to Second Thessalonians. Chapter 2. Verse 8. And then the lawless one will be revealed. Whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth. And destroy with the brightness of his coming. Verse 9, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders and with all unrighteousness, deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. For, and for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. The second coming of Jesus Christ. Those are the promises that we look for. Though that is the hope. That is what keeps me going day and day and day and day. Seeking God's will for my life. Being obedient. Confessing my sins when I do fall short. Because like I said, there's only one that was perfect. Joseph wasn't a perfect man. Though they say he was a type of Jesus. I don't think no one comes close to Jesus. He was perfect in every way. God. So once again, verse 16 and 18, chapter 47, gentlemen. When the next year, the 17th, so they brought their livestock to Joseph, and Joseph gave them bread in exchange for the horses, the flocks, cattle, the herds, and for the donkeys. Thus he fed them with bread in exchange for all their livestock that year. When that year had ended, verse 18, they came to him the next year and said to him, We will not hide from my Lord that our money is gone. The money that they had saved. They didn't want to, you know, they didn't want to hide from it. Now they're coming with livestock. My Lord also has our herds. Joseph had everything. Everything they already given up for bread. There is nothing left in the sight of my Lord but our bodies. And our lands. This was about the sixth year. Now we know that Joseph was 17 years when he went to Egypt. 17 years old. He was a young buck. 17 years old. At 30, he stood before Pharaoh. He had seven years. Total of seven years of stocking up for the famine, getting ready. 
in another seven years. It's 14 years. They said Joseph was, I was trying to do the math. I'm going, hmm, 30 and, and 14 is what? 44. No, 40. Right? No, wait a minute. 44. 44. Excuse me. 44. They're trying to, I did the math here, but um, 14 and 14 plus 30 is 44. So I'm saying, hmm. So, and just like Jacob. Jacob, what? He worked for seven and another seven years. Wow. And so here, Joseph here. So this is the sixth year. So um, the sixth year coming into the to the seventh year. And so here they are, willingly. All we have left is our bodies. And Joseph already had everything. Well, Pharaoh does, because everything went to Pharaoh. Everything. And so let's continue reading here. Verse 19. Why should we die before your eyes, both we and our land, Buy us and our land for bread. Now they want to sell their bodies. Now they want to become his, their, his slave. And that's how it is. You got to survive. You got to live. Nobody wants to die. That's what it's going to come down to. I mean, to now and these days when something like that happens here, what's going to happen? There's going to be a lot of chaos, isn't there? Just like we've seen in the Watts riot and the, over here in um, in L.A., that guy Denny, remember Denny, Reginald Denny, that time in the in the riots over there. Where was it at? In Watts and Compton, in L.A. Yeah, how people South Central exactly how people went crazy and started stealing things and everything. It's gonna be a lot of chaos, man, like never before in the history of man. People are, people are going to be going crazy when that time comes. They're going to go crazy. But Satan is warming up to it already. We know that. He's getting people addicted to all this material stuff. You see? Where the scriptures keep telling us, man, we're just soldiers. You're just soldiers. Get through your head. You're passing it through. You're not going to take nothing with you. People are clinging to stuff. They're dying to, so they won't get robbed for 10 bucks. Let the guy have the money, man. Take my wallet. Take everything. Because they want to cling to that. Whatever it is. It's material stuff. You only get one chance of life. Live your life wisely. Every day like it's going to be the last. And so it says here. Verse 19, once again, Why should we die before your eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land for bread, and we and our land will be servants of Pharaoh. Give us seed that we may live and not die, that the land may not be desolate. And so Joseph, verse 20 here, Then Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh, for every man of the Egyptians sold his field, because a famine was severe upon them, so the land became Pharaoh's. And as for the people, he moved them into the cities, from one 
end of the borders of Egypt to the other. So he brought them all together and moved them closer so they can, uh, so he could be more of a control of them instead of way out. He'd be able to feed them, watch over them. They could tend the land. He gave them seed. See? But Joseph was generous to them. You see? You're lucky they didn't have a a bad, ungodly ruler. Because I don't think it would have ended up like this. But by the grace of God, he saved a remnant of the. And all this, all this that Joseph went through was for to save that remnant. The promise of God could continue. And he could take care of his people. Verse 22, only the land of the priests he did not buy. For the priests had rations. That's why they didn't buy them, because the priests were getting fed. They had rations. Pharaoh would supply them with rations to eat. You see, he would take care of them. Here you go. And they lived good. They lived good. So I had rations alluded to them by Pharaoh. And they ate the rations which Pharaoh gave them. Therefore, they did not sell their lands. And Joseph didn't mess with them. Joseph, you know, that's Pharaoh's thing right there. I'm not going to dip into that or I'm not going to say nothing. That They had that coming. That was their law. You see? The priests had no need to sell their, their lands because they had rations that Pharaoh gave to them. Verse 23, Then Joseph said to the people, Indeed, I have bought you and your land this day for Pharaoh. Look, here is seed for you, and you shall sow the land. So Joseph, Indeed, I have bought you and your land this day for Pharaoh. Now, if you have anything to say, like these talent, if you have anything to say, now's the time to say it. Do you agree with me or you disagree? Is this what you really want to do? So he gave him time to say something to confirm or object this offer that he was giving to them. But they were at his mercy. They had no other thing to do but to submit. But yet still he gave them an opportunity to receive it or reject it, to live or die. <clears throat> Verse 24. And it shall come to pass in the harvest that you shall give one-fifth to Pharaoh, four-fifths shall be your own. As seed for the field and for your food, for those of your households and as food for your little ones. You see? And so, once again, Pharaoh, I mean, uh, Joseph was merciful for, to them. Four fish shall be your own. As seed for the field, your food for those of your household. And one fifth, one fifth to Pharaoh. It'd be nice if it was like that today, right? For us. They're taxing us left and right for everything. 20% would be nice, right? They would do that for us, 20%. Now they're talking about going into the, what, Social Security again? Ooh. 
And that's what's going to happen. People are going to cry out. <laughs> Take my body. <laughs> I'll work. I'm your slave. I'll worship you. I'll bow down to you. That's what it's coming to. Sad, but it's going to happen. We're not going to be here to see it. Verse 25. So they said, you have saved our lives. Let us find favor in the sight of my Lord. And we will be Pharaoh's servants. Verse 26. And Joseph made it a law over the land of Egypt to this day. That Pharaoh should have one fifth. Except for the land of the priests only which did not become Pharaoh's. So Joseph didn't get rich at their expense. Joseph controlled the impact of the famine. Joseph saved lives. Joseph saved lives. That's what he did. He showed mercy, leniency towards these people. And everything, he, he didn't take anything. It went all to Pharaoh. Went all to Pharaoh. Now we see here, in verse here, 27. Somewhere around here. Verse 27. In verse 27, it says here, So Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt, in the country of Goshen. Oh, it's going to be go. Let me see the time. And dwelt in the land of Egypt, in the country of Goshen, and they had possessions there, and grew and, grew and multiplied exceedingly. You see, so they grew and multiplied exceedingly because it was prophesied that that was going to take place. They're going to multiply. And that's exactly what's taking place. God's word coming, to, coming forth. Verse 28, it says here, it says, And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. So the length of Jacob's life was 147 years. One hundred and He lived a good life, 47 years. Wow. And uh, the Lord was good to Jacob and allowed him to another 17 years, making him... Now 147, verse 29, it says, When the time drew near that Israel must die, he called his son Joseph and said to him, Now, if I found favor in your sight, please put your hand under my thigh and deal kindly and truly with me. Please do not bury me in Egypt. And, and here we see here that the thigh was a seat of a generative power. And to put the hand under the thigh was to acknowledge and pledge obedience to him who requires the oath. In Genesis 24, if you have time, you can read that in verses 1 through 9. It tells you that Abraham, when he sent out his one of his uh, servants, he went to go to go pick out uh, his wife for uh, um, Jacob. You see, and uh, he made a oath. He here, put your uh, hand under my thigh here, and he made a oath. Swear to me that he won't take a wife from the Canaanites. You see, and so he went off. He wanted him to go to his family to pick a wife from there. You see, we, we and we know why, right? Turn with me to. Deuteronomy chapter 7. We're going to see why. Deuteronomy chapter 7, guys. Verse 1 through 11. We'll make this real quick. When, <clears throat> it reads here, When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites and the Gergesites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perzites and the Hivites and the Zipsuites, 
Seven nations greater and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them, nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughter to their son, nor take their daughter for your son. For they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. So the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. But thus you shall deal with them. You shall destroy the altars and break down their sacred pillars and cut them and cut down their wooden images and burn their carved images with fire. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people for you were the least of all peoples. But because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out of the mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of the bondage from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments and repays those who hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. Therefore you shall keep the commandments, the statutes and the judgments which I command you to do. Observe them. You see that? So they weren't to integrate and uh, or be unleavened yoked, okay? That's that's that was God's warning to them, and that He would destroy them, okay? So let's end up here, gentlemen, because I don't want to keep you any longer. I'm sorry for the. And so here He says in verse 30 once again, "But let me lie with my father. You shall carry me out of Egypt, bury me in the burial place." And He said, "I will do as you have said." 31. Then He said, "Swear to me," and swore to him. So Israel bowed his himself. And the head of the of the bed, but he didn't exactly die right there because he lived what longer seventeen more years after that, and so we see here. But it was um, a oath that was to carry out, and just like Abraham and every and and his descendants before him, and even Joseph when they went up, at the next chapter comes up, he takes them back because they didn't want to be buried in a foreign land, they want to be buried in their homeland, like like many of us, you know, you want to be buried somewhere where or you know, me, I don't know, I'm going to be cremated, so it don't matter, right? <laughs> yeah, I can't afford no burial, I'm going to be cremated. <laughs> Anyways, but thank you guys, um, I'm going to close with this, and um, for uh, and Matthew 16, 26, for what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Huh? What will he give? Nothing. Nothing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we come before you, Lord, in Jesus' name. We thank you for this evening, Lord. Thank you for the men. Thank you for their patience, Lord God. And, Lord, we thank you for all the promises that we have in you, Lord God. Father, our hope is in you and only in you, Lord God. And to be absent from this body, to be present with you, Father God. But we continue to endure, Lord God. And we look forward to be spending eternity with you, Lord. And I pray for each man that is here. You bless them. Give them traveling mercies. And if there's anyone sick, Lord God, you would touch their bodies. That you would heal them, Lord God. Father, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys.